Everybody, welcome to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast once again. I am one of your hosts, Austin Griffiths, and I am on the on the road interview today. And so, brother Zachary Cordell is not with us because I am on the road, and uh, and so we're just so glad to be coming to you. And uh, in this on the road interview, we've got a special guest for you here today. But I want to give you, right before we get to him and introduce him, I want to give you our email at 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. If you'd like to send us any comments about anything, suggestions, criticism even, um, anything, we'll, we'll take it. And if uh, you would like to direct message us or um, see uh, any kind of photos or stay tuned, you can look up our Instagram on 2 ps on a pod 21 and uh you can follow us on their update of new episodes and so on and so forth but without further ado we've got a very special guest today a very very close friend of mine practically grew up together all of our lives and are still close friends today and uh and so without further ado pastor todd hatcher the second howdy folks how are we uh, we're doing good brother todd how are you and we're doing good. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for the invitation. We are so glad to have you on the podcast and uh, just so glad for everything that you're doing here at the church. And uh, and so my first question for you, let the audience kind of uh, know who you are. A lot of them may not know who you are, but uh, we are in Hamilton, Ohio right now. Um, Pastor Todd, Pastor's Victory Pentecostal uh, Tabernacle right here in Hamilton, Ohio. And uh, so where were you raised? Where are you from? Well, I was raised not far from here, just about 40 miles north of here in a little suburb of Dayton, and uh, was raised in church there at Dryden Road, and that's really the only church I've ever been to besides this one that I've been pastoring for the last three and a half years. Uh, I did attend Bible school at Export for two years and uh, had a great experience there, but other than that, that's the only uh, church I've ever attended, so that's where I'm from. And so you got saved. What age, when did you get saved? I was four years old when I four got saved. Four years old. I knew it was young. And yes, so sir. you were called to preach. And if I'm not mistaken, your first sermon, I believe he's 11. I was you? 11, yeah. 11 years old. I was there at your first sermon. Was you? Is that, I think that was when you preached on Jesus is my friend. Yeah, friend named Jesus. Yep, yep. He's yep. still my friend. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> he's 11 years old. So you're 25 now. 25. So yes, 14 sir. years later. And you're pastoring, and God's just blessed you. And uh, I tell you, you're five years behind me. I'm 30. and uh, But we've been close, very close um, friends for such practically all our lives. I can't remember yep. the last time we wasn't friends. I, I don't remember. We were so young. And uh, your mom used to babysit me and uh, and my, my sister. And uh, we just kind of like two peas on a pod or something. <laughs> 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 I like that. And... Uh, Anyways, we've just been together for a long time, and uh, yeah, man. so what's it like to start pastoring at, what, 21 years old? Do you want the preacher answer, or do you want the... No, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, uh, well, first of all, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege. You know, a lot, of, a lot of folks seem to see ministry 
as an opportunity, but it is a lot more than that. It's a privilege to work for God and uh, got great people here and just appreciate what God is doing. And uh, it's certainly uh, a learning experience, of course, you know, being a pastor. And I'll say this um, just by way of that testimony. I uh, Like I said, I got saved when I was four, got the Holy Ghost when I was eight, started preaching when I was 11. But I would say I kind of hit a crossroads when I was about 14. And that's really when, when I hit the rock, if you will. And I got a, a consistent prayer life. And uh, I remember praying as a 14-year-old boy, for better or for worse, God, give me a pastor's heart at 14 years old. And I remember specifically praying then, you know, I'd like to do something for your kingdom, for your glory before I'm 30. You know, that was old, by the way, when I was 14 now. <laughs> Appreciate I'm that. Five, <laughs> five years away. Some of us are already there. But at any rate, you know, you, you never feel like you attain, and it's just very humbling to work for God and realize that the kingdom of God has room for everybody, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Yes, sir. We are doing such a wonderful uh, job here at the church and just awesome people, and uh, this is a Sunday yes, afternoon that we're recording this awesome and people. just had a wonderful service this morning and just people getting we in did. and obeying the Lord, and uh, so we just uh, appreciate being able to be here, and uh, and so we go way back. We go, we go way back, and I'm just gonna mention this. We could probably talk the whole episode about just me and you, but yeah. this one particular time stands out more than others is because I don't think very many people have this same story to tell. Is yeah. that one time um, I was living by myself, and uh, as before I got married, and after I'd already moved out of my my mom and dad's. And uh, so I was living by myself, and you come over and stayed all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm five years older than you, but your parents didn't care. And we just grew up together. It's you know, right. it's different. And uh, and so you come over all the time, and there's a couple guys that come over and uh, would chill out there at the apartment. We just kind of hang out. And uh, and so I remember uh, we w- we went uh, over into the bedroom. The other guys were in the living room, and uh, and so we we was gonna have a, a prayer meeting. I don't know if we was going to church that night. Or or what it was, but uh, yeah. we we was gonna pray a while, so we went over to the bedroom, and uh, one of us turned music on our phone mm-hmm. and uh, some Christian music, and we was praying, and things got a little loud, and <laughs> feet were stomping, and some tears and crying. I mean, we we was we wasn't just laying me down to sleep. I mean, we yeah, was man. we was Have getting with it. I, I think he was louder than me, but <laughs> I mean, we was we was, we was mm-hmm. praying, and uh, and so anyways, I had a second story apartment. And there was a there was a lady that lived underneath me that was very grouchy. Nothing ever went her way, and she always complained about my apartment being so loud. Well, my apartment was loud because it was so old. All you had to do was walk across the floor, and the whole thing just squeaked. If you opened the fridge door, it squeaked. Everything made right. noise, and so you couldn't be quiet up there, anyways. So she calls the cops. We're up there praying, just getting a hold of God, and she calls the cops. And this is what she tells them. And of course, we're finding all this out later on. Yeah. She tells the cops that there are a bunch of young teenage boys upstairs above my apartment. They're up there partying, stomping on the floor, <laughs> and listening to music, and it's super loud. And oh, so they send a cop over, knock on the door, and the two other guys who were not praying, and they needed to, but they wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they was in the living room, and so they answer the door, and a cop tells them what's going on. They was like, there ain't no party in here. There's just two guys sitting on the couch. 
And two guys, you know, we was praying in the room. And so yeah. he tells the cop, he said, well, the only noise in here is, you know, we got two friends in that room and they're praying. He said, they're what? Yeah. <laughs> he said, they're what? And so I'm. did he say he, he never had to break up a prayer meeting before? Yeah. And so he comes over to the door <laughs> and me and he opens the door. And I just happened to open my eyes. I mean, we was both getting with it. I don't know how long he stood there, but me and you was praying, and he was standing in the door. And I opened my eyes, and there was a cop standing in my living in my bedroom door. And I said, "Uh, hey, Todd." Yeah. <laughs> the thin blue line killed the spirit. Yeah. Say, uh, uh, Todd, we've done something wrong here. Yeah. He said, and that's exactly what he said. He said, "Boys, uh, I ain't I ain't never broke up a prayer meeting yeah. before." And uh, he said, "Well, just try to keep it down, okay." And so I, I guess he went downstairs and told her what we was doing. Now, she probably didn't believe that. Yeah. Then boys had told me before he opened the door, he put his ear to it. and was just kind of listening to see. And mm-hmm. uh, that I just thought that was hilarious. I don't know. Maybe that, that – maybe the testimony of that guy. Maybe he got saved in preaching now or something. That would be wonderful. That would be, that'd be funny. But anyways, um, we, we've been together. We've done a lot of interesting and some fun things. And uh, we'll just I kind of – Indeed. Indeed. Leave some of those Indeed. things. Indeed. Keep rolling. Behind, yeah. <laughs> behind the podcast. And uh, But anyways, we've got you on here for a reason. We're on on the road interview. And uh, so we, we jumped in the life of Todd Hatcher a little bit and just got a – Wonderful family, got a wife and two children and one on the way. That's right. And yeah. uh and so God's just blessed you with a wonderful wife and children and a good he church has. and he has. and uh and and I'm so glad you've lived for God since you was 11 and uh, I tell you there's one thing um Todd right here I'm going to brag on him for a minute but he he's never uh, backslid. He's he's not went crazy and he was always one of the most solid one of the or most solid people um in, in our youth group growing up. I mean just he had the victory, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew Todd Hatcher had the victory, and uh, and that's very commendable. I can't say that about myself, but I can say that about him. And uh, like I say, he's five years behind me, so he was in a, a whole other generation behind me as far as kids growing up around you. But we've always been super close, and our parents had to contribute to some of that because they was good friends. And uh, you come over to my house, and I come over to yours, and your mom watched us. And, and yes, uh, I appreciate your parents too. Very, very good. And uh, but the reason we have Brother Todd here on this podcast is I heard him preach, uh, which I've heard him preach countless times over the years. And uh, like I said, he he's been preaching a long time, about fourteen years, and out of twenty five, it's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, not many twenty five year olds can say that. Uh, but uh, but anyways, I heard him preach. Uh, I don't know a year or two ago. We was at a youth meeting, and you was a speaker, and of course we came and fellowshiped, and you had preached along these topics. And you, I think you had preached on uh, living above the label or something like that. Something like and, that. Uh, and yes. so today's topic is we are going to address this very broad, I want to preface that, very broad topic entitled Identity Crisis. And uh, and so you may have read in the title and you know kind of had a clue of what we was going to talk about here. But identity theft in this world today is very real. In our mm-hmm. finances, something you really got to look out for. People all over the world are constantly trying to steal people's social security numbers, credit card information. I'm always getting fake emails from some kind of fake Amazon phone calls requesting your uh, social security number. And all. There, there's a problem with identity theft. People are trying to steal your identity and tell you things that ain't true. Well, there's another kind of identity crisis, right. and it's spiritual. 
And so we're, we're going to just branch out into this very broad topic here of the identity crisis. Yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you, like you said, it's a, a pretty broad subject, and you mentioned identity theft, and it's more of a financial issue, but uh, it's become obvious to me that there's a far more sinister thing that's going on in our society today that's not a financial problem, it's a spiritual problem. And uh, there's a lot of different directions you can go with how how do we start dealing with such a broad subject. Well, I would say you, you kind of think of this subject like you would a tree. You know, a tree is a big, vast thing, but it's just one tree. But a tree has many branches, and it can go in different directions. And then you, you consider the apple tree that has apples on those branches. You take the apple off the tree, you take a bite, and then there's seeds in one apple that can uh, that has the potential for many more apple trees to come. So it, it can be intimidating when you think about it as such a broad subject, but when you break it down to it just being one thing, it's a tree, and you see all these branches and this fruit, what I would say is the fruit without on the branches is only a reality because of the root within the ground. And so when we when we talk about a subject like this or any subject that goes and can go in different directions, let's go to the root of it. Let's talk about the things right. that bear the make it bear the fruit because the fruit is only as good as the root. Uh, and so when it comes to identity crisis and, and you delve into it, the first thing I think you've got to say is you've got to recognize that it's a reality, that it is a crisis. And, and anytime you see that word crisis, you know, it, it, that's a big deal. Uh, that's, not, that's not just something you throw around uh, willy-nilly, and it's pretty sharp rhetoric. So when we're talking about a crisis, you need, to, you need to recognize that it's a reality. It's something that needs to be dealt with and addressed. And I would say, first of all, that identity crisis is something that affects everybody. From the youngest to the eldest, we are all facing it in some way. You, you never outgrow identity crisis. You just have to confront it. There, there's some things, some people say experience is the best teacher. Well, maybe in some cases, but there's some things you can't explain. Uh, you have to experience. And there's some things you don't outgrow with time. You just have to confront it in whatever season you're in. It affects the youngest, right? They're always wanting to be older. You've got the nine-year-old wanting to be 10, so they'll be double digits. You want Then they want to be 16 so they can drive. Then right. they want to be 18 so they're adults. Or if you're a holiness young person so you can get married, right, when you're 18. <laughs> then you want to be 21. Or then, 17 if your right. parents sign for you. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> but anyways, you know, then they want to be 21. and uh, But once you get past 21, folks want to start turning back the clock, but the, but there's identity crises that takes place. You know, when you become an adult, you have to adjust to that. You start talking about marriage and and all the things that you face. You know, at, at, when you're learning to become an adult, learning to be married, parenthood, and uh, you know what's interesting to me as a side note here, it seems it seems to me that the most consequential decisions we make in life sometimes, like getting married and raising children, we make those decisions where the, when we're the least competent to do it. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, it's an identity crisis, and we've got to confront it for what it is. 
so then you've got we've all heard of the midlife you know midlife crisis it's a familiar phrase to all of us and uh, you, you, again you don't outgrow it you just got to deal with it as it comes you've got middle-aged folks and I'm not in that season but from a distance I can kind of see you know some of the things that they might be facing is the fact that they're kind of in between that rock and the hard place of yeah. youth and becoming older and, and they're looking back on their youth reaching back there wishing they would have done things different wishing they would have done some things wishing they could undo other things then on the other side uh, they're looking into their future and they realize as they're getting older there's things they can't do now and so they feel this constant strain of who are they supposed to be and a lot of people struggle you know within the first three to five years of marriage the divorce rate is extremely high and yeah. then after about 20 25 years that's when you come to the midlife the divorce rate skyrockets again yeah. folks are facing this it's a real problem it's then, crazy how many marriages break when the kids move out they stay together just for the kids just for the kids and then when the kids break or the kids move out they break they never confront the issue yeah. of identity crisis and so this is a really uh, it's an existential problem that we're facing today and no matter what season of life you're in you're going to face it you think about even older people and i i hate to say old so i'll say older older here they are <laughs> they're looking around and their friends have passed away their their families yeah. are gone you know their moms and dads are no longer around they have become the patriarchs of the family they have all the get-togethers there's really no and it must be a difficult place i'm far removed from that but when you think of older people sometimes I would say that the identity crisis they face is they struggle with becoming critical. They become cynical sometimes. And, and there's a reason the shadow of the grumpy old man hangs over the elderly sometimes. And the reason for that is there's an identity crisis that follows you into your twilight years, just like it does in the springtime of life. And, and what happens is 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 they've been around and so they become armchair or wheelchair quarterbacks if you want to say and what happens sometimes is people you know they get to where they want to correct and criticize people for doing the same things they did when they were younger now hindsight's 2020 right and when you're an older person you've got a lot of hindsight and and so i think it's important that even though you got 2020 vision behind you you've got to keep perspective about the things that are in front of you. And one thing I've noticed when I'm looking back, I'm not paying attention to where I'm going. And sometimes folks struggle with that when they get right. They get to where there's there's no longer people around them. It's an identity crisis. David said, "I have been young and now I'm old." Well, some folks have just got old and they forgot what it's like to be young. And that, that's just as dangerous as it, as it is the young person who thinks they know everything is, is the older person who forgot what it was like to be young. So anyways, when we, when we start with identity crisis, you got to pull everybody under the umbrella. We all face it. Yes, sir. That is exactly right. And, uh, and, and so the question is, and we can just go on from here, is what – by definition, what is an identity crisis? You, you've talked about kind of an introduction to what we deal with and how it's a young person's 
uh, identity crisis. It's a middle age crisis. It's an older person crisis. But by definition, identity crisis is a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically to a change in their expected aims or role in society. Now, statistics show more than any other age of life, 12 to 18, which is the uh, the pivotal uh, teenage years. Yes. It is the most important, really some of the most important years of your life. Because sure. like you already mentioned, marriage, besides getting saved, the, mo- the most important decision you can make in your life is marrying the right person. No doubt. And which is something that needs to be prayed through about. Mm-hmm. And that's why we see even amongst our ranks, we see a lot of young marriages. I don't know how many young marriages I've been in contact with in my travels that have fell apart in the first year or the first couple years or in the first five years or whatever because it was just a marriage based on different things sure. besides the will of God. And so that's definitely something I wanted to say right there is if you're going to marry somebody, you better know it's the will of God. And I can honestly say I knew 150% that when I married my wife, it was the will of God because we both had prayed it through. And her dad, which is my pastor, had prayed it through. And there was no doubt. Sure. God put his approval on it. And it's proved out. Thank God It's for proved that. out for – and I know for a fact you prayed you prayed Erica through. Yep. And, uh, and so now I thought that was kind of funny. You married an Erica since your sister was an Erica. Yeah. So now you have to say I love you, Erica, all the time. But <laughs> just call her baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but anyways, and so what is an identity crisis? Right. In your definition, what people get labeled? Right. Sure. And so I want I want to say this, and then you can take it from here. Mm-hmm. Is we were both raised in public high school. That's right. A lot of people among our ranks are homeschooled, especially now more than ever. Homeschool has jumped because of COVID. And, uh, and homeschool is a good thing. My wife was homeschooled. I'm homeschooling my oldest one right now. And uh, But public high school, we was both raised in it. And it's a prime example for what we're talking about right here. There's so many different cliques all over the high school. Um, your high school was bigger than mine. Um, but different cliques, you know, hundreds of students. And within those grades of 9 through 12, especially those teenage years, you were labeled. You sure. were labeled by everyone, depending on your personality, your attitude, your family, um, sometimes your financial status. Yeah. Every every Identity avenue is everything. Exactly. <laughs> every avenue of your life, you were labeled. And depending on what label the kids in high school gave you determined what crowd you was allowed to be. And so, for example, if you was a, a geek and somebody super smart, the athletes didn't want nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And if you was an athlete, you know, the nerds and the geeks didn't want nothing to do with you. And then you had, I mean, I'm talking, there's 50 different cliques, all yeah. kinds of different ones. And uh, and so they labeled you whether you liked it or not. Right. Every Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be liked. And there's nothing... Uh, wrong with that necessarily. I would like to go back just quickly and highlight one thing you said about in marriage, and and you know they marry for different things. You mentioned. Well, here's the problem with that, it, and it's a revelation of identity crisis right in front of us, because what happens is when people don't know who they are and they don't have an identity for themselves, they're bringing somebody else into their identity crisis. And when you add the fact that you're bringing two families and and tying that all together it 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 can be an interesting thing all right so uh when we're talking about identity crisis what is it 
uh, as I mentioned, it can branch off into several different ideals and notions, but I think if we're going to go to the root, identity is found in two main principles, and this is what I would like to focus on. And those two principles are reputation and character. And a lot of people don't understand that there's a difference between the two. They don't see it. But I think what you need to do, you need to define what reputation and character is, and then you've got to differentiate the difference between the two. So when you talk about reputation, and you mentioned high school, which is a perfect example of all kinds of people that are facing identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what their purpose is. And identity is everything. Reputation is everything. And reputation really is just who people think you are, who people say you are, who you're pretending to be. That's what reputation is. It is the label that somebody gives you. And people are obsessed with that today. They are obsessed with building a reputation, building a name for themselves. That's why social media is as popular as it is, is because people, again, they want to be accepted. They want to be liked. Friends and followers, they become obsessed with how other people feel about them, and they end up trying to impress people they don't like in the first place. And so when you base your life off a reputation, you're living off of a label that somebody else gave you or somebody you're uh, pretending to be. That's why these Hollywood actors and things, these celebrities are miserable people because their identity is found in what they do and not who they are. And anytime, anytime you identify as just what you do, you're going to end up leading a miserable life. So you, you've got to recognize there's a difference. I think of some biblical examples, and there's several, but you think of the patriarch. Uh, you, you talk about Jacob, right? You know, the son of Isaac, and there, there's some things going on there. And, of course, his mama is all for him, trying to pull the strings. And Jacob is identified as a supplanter, as a deceiver, one that's always trying to get around, you know, and his mama's always making a way for him, kind of like a lot of people today still living in their mama's basement at 30 years old, eating Doritos and playing <laughs> video games. And you know what it is? It's an identity crisis. You know, I like they're, Doritos. They're surma- I like Doritos too, but I'm not living in my mama's basement. <laughs> so anyways, I, I confronted the crisis, praise God. But, but at any rate, you know, th- these people are always living on, on what somebody else is doing for them, what somebody else is saying about them, and it's a real tragedy. But here's where the turning point took place for Jacob. And and I love this scripture. And it says, and Jacob was left alone. And and every one of us are going to come to a crossroads at some point. We're going to to have to reckon with who we are. And and sometimes the ugliest thing in the world is a mirror because you've got to look at yourself and confront yourself for who you are. And when Jacob did that, when he was left alone, he realized who he had been was not who he wanted to be. And uh, that's what he did. He confronted the crisis that night. And he asked, he asked the man that wrestled with him till daybreak, what's your name? And, and more or less, more, I believe that was a Christophany there, okay? So more or less what the Lord said back to him is, I'm, not here, f- I'm, I'm here for you. We're here to talk about you. And at the end of it, he said, you shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. 
And, and what it shows us is you can live above the le- label. You can outlive what has been said. I think one of my favorite, quickly, one of my favorite characters in Scripture, just a few verses said about him, Jabez or Jabez, ever how you say it. But in First Chronicles chapter 4, we read the brief account of a young man that was labeled by something he had nothing to do with. His mom named him Jabez because she had bored him with sorrow, similar to Benjamin or what uh, his mama named him Ben-Oni, uh, the son of my sorrow. And, and, and that's what happened with Jabez there in First Chronicles chapter number 4. But the turning point, again, was when Jabez called on the God of Israel. And the result of that was Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. There was a turning point where he realized, I don't have to be what I've been labeled as. I don't have to be defined by what somebody has said about us. And then, of course, the greatest example of reputation is is our Lord. Jesus did not have a great reputation amongst a lot of folks. Here's a man that's a wine-bibber and gluttonous, a friend of publican and sinners. They were doing everything they could to railroad him and to label him uh, as some kind of outcast. His and claim to be deity just derailed absolutely. them. Absolutely. They didn't like that. So no. they defined him as what they wanted him to be. But you can live above the label. You don't have to become what you've been right. branded as. And it's that turning point where you get left alone like Jacob did, because that's really what integrity is, right? Who you are when nobody's around, when there's nobody to watch you, there's nobody to hold you accountable, who you are. And, and that's what you're going to be judged by. You're not going to be judged by what's been said about you. You're not going to be judged by who you're pretending to be. You're going to be judged according to who you are. That's the difference between reputation and character. Reputation is who people think you are, who you're pretending to be. Character is who you really are. It's the person when nobody's around, that's who you are. And that's what you're going to be judged by. And see, here, here's the thing. Yes, you can build... You can and closing with this thought here, you can build a reputation overnight. And this generation really understands that. We right. call it going viral. Viral, yeah. <laughs> going viral. And and so you can build a reputation overnight, but it takes a life of consistency to build character. Right. That's and, good. And here's the important thing is that here's the other thing you have to know is not only can you build a reputation overnight, but but you can damage your character. Right. Overnight, this thing that you've spent a lifetime think of think of David, right? The man after God's own heart, right? Followed hard after the Lord, pursued Him as a as a heart panteth after the water brooks. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, but he let his guard down, and his character was damaged. The first ways of David were damaged by one night where he let his guard down, and now we know of the second ways of David. And he relied, he, at that moment, he relied on his reputation instead of his character because that's when the kings were supposed to go out to battle. But he had, he had this persona, this reputation built up of, I'm the king, and I am the King David after God's own heart. Right. And it cost him dearly. And so be careful. You know, you've got to live a consistent life to build a character, but you've got to live a consistent life to keep a good character as well. Yes, sir. That is very wise words. Hopefully that will really just help somebody and touch somebody's life. 
Well, Brother Todd, we're already about 32 minutes in, so we are running out of time. But we're just going to go ahead and do a two-part episode, if that's all right with you. And uh, there's just such a broad topic here about identity crisis and living above the label. And so to stay tuned until the next uh, episode, and we'll do a two-part little series here with Brother Todd Hatcher on uh, this identity crisis. So stay tuned. He's going to be back. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. of life I've run The Lord says to me, my child, well done There will be no regrets for me I'll be living